All right, now we're going to read Matthew chapter 16, 1 to 12. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this amongst themselves and said, It is because we didn't take any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm going to sit down and Nick's going to explain that for us. All right. Yes, I'm Nick, if I don't know you. Um, How you doing? That's good. I'm great, thank you. Um, All right, so we're going to start here. What does it take for you to believe something is actually true, all right? What does it take for you? So it might be you need a bunch of people to all be telling you and saying the exact same thing to confirm it for you. That might be it. Or you might need just one person. It could just be one, but it needs to be someone that you respect or you know cares about you and so you can believe them. Or maybe you're someone that needs to weigh up all the evidence, all right? You need it all out in front of you. You need to go through piece by piece and work out, is this thing actually true? Or maybe you're just super gullible and you just believe everything, all right? Anything that anyone tells you. Whatever it is, whatever it might be, I'm going to tell you about this guy, all right? This guy's name is Harry Randall Truman, all right? Now, this is one of my new favorite people. Um, and I love him because he wears that same hat in every single photo I've ever seen of him. Um, all right. And these, these photos are actually back from the 1980s. Okay. And he is a lovable old man. Okay. But he also has no, he had no clue what was going on. So back in the 1980s, um, Mount St. Have you guys ever heard of Mount St. Helens? Yeah. Okay. Good. That's good. Good start. Now, there's this volcano um, in America called Mount St. Helens. And back in the 1980s, for two months, there was all this volcanic activity going on along. So you've got um, ash coming out of the volcano, smoke coming out, ash clouds going everywhere, earthquakes multiple times a week. Everything's going on. And every scientist was convinced and agreed Mount Hel- St. Mount Helens is going to erupt. All right, It's going to happen. And so they started evacuating everyone. Everyone was getting the heck out of there because you don't want to be near a volcano when it goes off. But Harry Randall Truman here, 
He's like, no way am I leaving. I love my life here. He's, he was divorced back in the day, but now he's just single, chilling up in his lodge on the side of Mount, Mount St. Helens, and he had 16 cats, all right? So it was just him and his 16 cats, and he was like, this is, this is the life. Why would I ever leave here? And his actual quote as well was, the mountain is, it's a mile away, the top of the mountain. That mountain ain't going to hurt me. Can't do anything. So you see, and this guy's a guy who'd also said that earthquakes were so bad that he got knocked out of bed during the middle of the night. So, oh, and everyone loved him too. So they sent him poems. They um, sent him banners saying that they love Harry. Um, he got marriage proposals in the mail. This guy was loving it. But on May 17, Mount St. Helens erupted, the biggest landslide in recorded history, and Harry died. All right? That's it. That's it. He thought, he saw all the evidence, he refused to believe a single piece of it, and he paid for it. As much as I love Harry, he was dumb. All right? He, he went to his death with his 16 cats. Now, we can laugh at him and say, this guy is actually dumb, but I want to tell you guys that sometimes we can actually be like Harry. There's people here tonight that are like Harry. Um, Not when it comes to volcanoes, but actually when it comes to Jesus. Do you realize actually how much evidence there is to trust Jesus? Um, We've been going through it all term as we've gone through Matthew. Jesus' teachings about, Jesus' teachings, his miracles... Um, things that only God could do. And what's clear is that we've been shown enough to trust Jesus. Um, And in the passage that we're looking at tonight, we feel Jesus' frustration with people who still don't get the obvious. Um, We're going to catch him give two big warnings to those people. But those people that actually applies to us as well, those warnings. So tonight, don't miss the truth that's right in front of you. Um, because if we go on without the truth and without a trust in Jesus, um, the consequences are mu- actually much worse than a volcano burying you, um, like Harry. The consequences actually last for eternity if you get Jesus wrong. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're actually going to get stuck into the Bible. So pray with me. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word that you have um, kept it for us and preserved it for us, so that we know that as we read it tonight, um, they are, it is actually you speaking to us. I pray that that would cause us to love it um, and care about what it has to say for us. I pray that it would, we'd take it seriously. I pray that I would speak clearly and show the truth about who Jesus is tonight. Um, I pray that you'd be working in our hearts um, to soften them um, and turn them to you and get us to ask Um, ourselves, what our lives should be like um, in knowing you as the King. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Alright, so first big warning you see in this passage is don't ignore the signs. Alright, so go to chapter 16 verse 1. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, they just refused to get Jesus right. Have a look at that first verse there. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. So the Pharisees and co, they come up to Jesus asking for a sign. 
And we've seen throughout Matthew, Jesus has been making big claims, okay, about who he is and what he's come to do. So it kind of does make sense that the religious leaders of the time would want to come and check this guy out. But you also see halfway through that verse that the reason, the real reason that they came wanting a sign, um, and the reason was that they're testing him. Right? These guys aren't coming genuinely interested or keen to prove who Jesus is. Um, it seems that they're coming to do the exact opposite. They're stubbornly coming, ready to prove themselves right. They're trying to test him, catch him out. It's kind of like um, when a girl asks her boyfriend um, for his opinion on two dresses. So she comes out and she's like, Hey babe, which one do you like? Do you like this one that I'm wearing? Or do you like this one, this second one that I'm holding here? And the guy goes... Oh, actually, I really like that second one that you're holding. She just gives him a look. And she's like, oh. yeah, you're right. It's definitely the one that I'm wearing. You're so right. All right? She wasn't, she was asking, but she's not really asking. Okay? She knew what she wanted. And the Pharisees, they come to Jesus exactly the same way. They've come knowing what they want and believe, um, but they come and they ask for a sign anyway. And so Jesus responds, um, and instead of giving them a sign, he gives them a weather chat. So he starts talking about the weather. So check it out, verse 2. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. So apparently, you can look at the weather, the sky, and work out what he's going to have for the next day. That is pretty normal, all right? It's like when you see dark, stormy clouds, you can go, you don't have to be a genius to work out, oh, it's probably going to rain, all right? And so the Pharisees, they look at the signs in the sky, they interpret them, they draw a conclusion about them um, and what the weather's going to be, and that's it. They kind of get it right. But in the big scheme of things, what does that actually matter? They get the weather right. Knowing the weather is a small, trivial thing compared to the big thing that they miss. And did you catch what they can't do? Do you catch what they miss? So end of verse 3 there. But you cannot interpret the signs of the times. They're oblivious to the signs of the time. All right? What does that mean? Well, they missed all the signs that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the king is here to establish his kingdom. They've been missing everything that Jesus has been doing um, and pointing towards that. They come asking for a sign, but how many more signs could they possibly want than what Jesus has already done? Have a look at this. I've got a slide that's going to come up. This is only some of them, but these are some of the signs that he's given. So his baptism. When he was baptized, God's Spirit comes on Jesus, and God declares him his son. Um, Jesus confirms to John that he's the Messiah. That one's not up there. Jesus says that he's Lord of the Sabbath, so he claims to be God. He's incredibly wise teaching all the, all the way throughout Matthew, and people are amazed. Um, he forgives sins, and he does a bunch of miracles. I've got, there's some there, but I've got 15 different times that he does miracles all the way throughout. It's clear, Jesus is the king, and he's here. But the Pharisees are so stubborn that they can't see what's right there in front of them. The Messiah that they've been waiting for, um, he's right there, but they miss it. 
He's healed, he's walked on water, he's fed thousands from a single loaf, and he's taught amazingly wise stuff. He's done these miracles, and the Pharisees, they know this, but they still think they need proof. It's clear that the issue for them isn't actually a head thing. It isn't actually a needing proof problem. They've been given all they need to believe, and they still don't. And so it's actually an issue with their heart. Rather than acknowledge the truth, they'd rather find reasons or excuses to ignore Jesus and do what they want. And so they ask for another sign. And Jesus condemns them for it. Um, He says they're evil. Check out verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given. Um, I was trying to think of an example for you of what the Pharisees are like in our world today, and I found one, and it's flat earthers, alright? Now, these are people who legitimately believe that the world is flat. So, check out these quotes. These are some famous people. So, this is B.O.B. I don't know if you... Everyone knows the song Magic. Magic. We're actually going to read this, because he's... This is ridiculous. So, rapper B.O.B. is such a firm believer that the earth is flat that he actually wrote a song about it called Flatline. There you go. Um, he went on an extensive Twitter rant in 2016 explaining his beliefs, no matter how hot, and he said, no matter how high in elevation you are, the horizon is always at eye level. Sorry, cadets. I didn't want to believe it either, he tweeted. A lot of people are turned off by the phrase flat earth, but there's no way you can see all the evidence and not know. Grow up. Alright, so for him it's pretty clear. And then he posted this a bit later, and he said, it's a meme, obviously. Um, if the sun is in space, why is the light on, why is there light on earth but not in space? BOB <laughs> also followed up his flat earth comments with this meme, which either implies that he doesn't believe in the sun or that he doesn't think space exists. Alright? Either way, whack. Alright. <laughs> Next one. This is Shaquille O'Neal, so he's an old basketball player. I'm not going to read that whole thing, but pretty much he's just super dumb, all right? So I'll read, oh, what could I read of it? Halfway through, he says, um, so listen, I drive from coast to coast, and this flat to me, I'm just saying, I drive from Florida to California all the time, and this is, it's flat to me. I do not go up and down at a 360-degree angle, which you can't go up and down at a 360-degree angle. (laughs) And all this stuff about gravity. Have you looked outside Atlanta lately? Have you seen all these buildings? You mean to tell me that China is under us? China is under us? It's not. The world is flat. (laughs) All right. Um, And then there's Tequila. Tequila. Her just name is dumb, so... I don't know, but she says, why are all the buildings in New York City standing straight up? If the earth was round, then some of the buildings would have a slight tilt. If the earth was a spinning globe, then how come aeroplanes can still land without crashing? Because the face of the earth is flat, not a globe, okay? Alright, and there's one, I think that's it. I don't think I put any more in, but there's so many more. There's a couple more basketball players. I don't know what it is about basketball players, but they do it. But, these, these people, the flat earthers, despite the mounts of evidence um, otherwise, stubbornly refuse to believe that the world is round. Um, they are hard to the possibility that they are actually wrong. It doesn't seem like it's right to them, and so it can't be true. 
That's their thinking. Um, and they think a similar way to what the Pharisees think. They are like the person whose heart is hard towards God. And it's not just them. It's like those of us here tonight um, who still believe that Jesus can't be trusted. Despite everything Jesus has done for... Um, everything Jesus has done, many people and some of you are still hard towards him. We have everything that the Pharisees had. And actually, we have way more. We have the Bible, a reliable historical document recording for us Jesus' life, what he said, what he did, evidence he is who he says he is. And we actually have the biggest sign and reason that Jesus is worthy of our trust, and that's the cross. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but there's this crazy reference to Jonah in the, this verse that kind of comes out of nowhere at the end of verse 4. So he says, A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. So he says that actually a sign has been given. Jesus says there's a sign that's been given. And this goes back to, you can chase it up later, chapter 12 in Matthew. Jesus actually talks about this. And he compares how Jonah spent three days in a fish to him dying and then rising again three days later. It's the biggest sign ever, and it's been given. It had far more significance than just proving to the Pharisees that he was who he says he was. Jesus was doing something far more important for all of humanity. He died in our place, taking the punishment owed to us on himself. Um, and he didn't stay dead, instead he rose. And as, as he said he would, so, and so that we might live. He gained for us a way to have a relationship with God, um, the God of the universe, a relationship that we'd stuffed up. Now, many of you have heard that all before, and your response is, nah, just nah, or just can't be true. And what you're actually saying when you have a response like that is, I don't want it to be true. Stubbornly saying that, not giving it some thought, um, we're not giving some thought that Jesus might be who he says he is, not considering whether Jesus actually achieved what he said he did on the cross, um, doesn't actually change the truth. So is that you? Are you like the Pharisees? Have you been shown enough to trust Jesus, but you're blindly and stubbornly refusing to do so? Don't be like them, all the flat earthers. See the truth for what it is. See the reality of who Jesus is. Um, don't ignore the signs. We have been given enough to, to trust Jesus. Um, just as an aside, if you're here tonight, and this is like the first time you're hearing about this stuff, if you're new to these things, we're stoked to hear. And you too, be open to hearing the evidence and of Jesus. Um, give it some time. Keep coming to youth. Get stuck into learning about it. Um, but cool. Sec- that's the first big warning Jesus gives. Um, second big warning... Make sure you've connected all the dots, all right? So the disciples, they're Jesus' homies. They've seen everything that he's done. They've been with him from day dot. Um, They've seen the miracles. They've heard everything he said. Stuff only God would know, and they've seen it. But they still struggle to connect the dots and actually understand Jesus. Think of it. Take a look at this dot to dot, all right? These were fun back in the day. Now, you can clearly see what that is, but... You take away all the little lines that give the legs and the arms and the mouth and you just leave all the dots there by themselves without any of that. And actually, you're probably pretty in trouble with what it could possibly be. 
If you separate and put all those little dots separate, it's hard to actually put together that whole picture. Um, it's hard to see what it actually is. And you'd probably end up just taking guesses, all right? And you'd miss, you might miss, that it's actually this awesome T-Rex, all right, that you could have made just by drawing a few little lines. The disciples see that Jesus, the disciples see Jesus feed people, um, feed people through miracles, and they go, "That's a pretty, that's a pretty incredible trick." And and they do that instead of connecting that to what it means for who He is. Check them out in this passage. They just struggle all over again to understand Jesus. Um, in verse five, so little context: Jesus and disciples head off across the lake, um, and the disciples forget to take bread. That's important. So keep that in mind. So then Jesus gives them a warning. He says in verse 6, read it with me, Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now that all the disciples hear here is, is the warning that these old guys have bad yeast. All right, And yeast, if people don't know, is just what you put in bread to make it not flat. All right, It rises. Um, but anyway, the disciples, they hear a warning about yeast um, and about the Pharisees and their minds go instantly to, we don't have any bread. Have a look at verse 7. They discussed this among themselves and said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. Jesus gives his warning because we didn't bring any bread. And I imagine their discussion was probably something like, oh man, no, we forgot the bread and Jesus cares about it. This isn't good. Um, it must have been important for us to bring the bread. Maybe he's worried because we're not going to have any food. How did we forget the bread? This is so bad. And Jesus, he hears him, and I'm going to paraphrase what Jesus says, but have a look, see if you can pick it out as I go through um, from verses 9 to 11. He says, pretty much, are you guys serious? Are you that dumb? I literally just fed thousands upon thousands of people with next to nothing, and you're concerned about not having bread? You thought I was telling you to be worried about not bringing bread? Come on, guys. That's not what I was talking about. Have a look at verse 11. How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you um, about bread? The disciples don't have faith in Jesus when they so clearly should. If they are in Jesus' presence, you don't have to worry about bread. That's obvious. I don't know if you remember what he did, this little miracle just a few weeks ago where he fed thousands of people. This bread incident shows something deeper about the disciples. They've seen miracles, they've heard him teaching, but they don't quite get what it means about Jesus. Um, And so they get really concerned and they get caught up in things that they shouldn't, in the small stuff. Um, They don't get the big picture. They don't trust him fully. And so what's the warning here for us? Well, the disciples are like those trying to follow Jesus, those of us trying to follow Jesus, um, but don't fully get what Jesus has done for them or is capable of. The warning is that you need to connect the dots about Jesus. You need to get that he's God, that he's in control of nature and capable of creating. He's the loving shepherd who provides for his flock. He's the king come to earth, worthy of worship and service. And he did the ultimate thing that shows that he's got you and that he's got me and that he loves and cares for us. He died in our place. 
If you think you know Jesus or love Jesus, but you aren't treating him as God, we, like the disciples, we're getting it wrong. You've got to see that knowing that about who Jesus is, everything I just said, connecting those dots, means that you can actually trust him. You can trust him with your whole life, all of it. Make sure you connect the dots for yourself. Realize that you've been shown who Jesus is um, and you know what he's done for you and that means that you can actually trust him um, and give your life fully to him. Last thing, why care? Jesus gives two, he gives two, he gives you two warnings, but why care about the warnings? Um, it sounds like a whole lot of effort trying to understand Jesus and working out what's true and what isn't. Um, so is it worth it? Yes, it is worth it. You should care. Why? Because if you miss the signs about Jesus, there's actually consequences for getting the truth wrong. Jesus says heaven and hell is real. He says we're sinful and that without him we don't have a hope of fixing that. Um, so you need to get this right. It matters. People all the time hate the idea, they hate the idea um, of blind faith, believing something with no evidence whatsoever. But make sure you don't fall into the other end of that spectrum. Don't be like the Pharisees, stubbornly not considering the possibility that Jesus is true or not. Don't be okay with blind unbelief. Why else should you care? Why should you care about connecting the dots about who Jesus is? Well, if the disciples really got who Jesus was, maybe in that situation they would have actually asked Jesus for bread and he could have provided them for it, provided them with it. Maybe they missed an opportunity for Jesus to actually take care of them and to depend on him. When we connect the dots and get who Jesus is, it opens up big opportunities for us as well. Um, It means that we get to have a relationship with a Father who loves us. Um, It means that um, we have someone to go to in our time of need. It means that we can trust Him when times are tough um, and life isn't going how we think it should be going. Um, When people desert us or let us down, we have God who won't. Um, and we have a lasting home no matter what happens, um, no matter what happens in this life. We have a lasting home um, that is coming and that's going to be unbelievably better. Um, if you want to connect the dots um, to get more of this, keep coming to youth. Yeah, how do you do it? How do you connect these dots? Keep coming to youth. Dig in. Ask questions. Start reading the Bible for yourself. I hope you caught those warnings tonight. Don't be like the stubborn Pharisee, letting your heart persuade you um, to ignore what's right in front of you. Don't be like the disciples, a follower of Jesus, who doesn't know him well. Um, We've actually been shown enough to trust Jesus. Cool. I'm going to pray. Let's see it. Father, we thank you so much that um, you have made it clear to us um, the way to be right with you. It is through Jesus and it's through Jesus that we can look forward to eternal life with you and have hope for eternity. Um, We thank you that it's clear um, by what Jesus has done and his life and through the cross that we can trust him. 
So I pray tonight that we would be doing that. We wouldn't stubbornly not want anything to do with God. Um, Instead, we would hand our lives over to him fully um, and we would want to know him better. Pray this in your son's name. Amen.